Ah, oh, there you are. Was beginning to think you weren't coming, Master. Good. Then maybe I stand more of a chance this time. Are you ready? Are you? Then let's begin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin. For all of it. I am not your failure. Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. The same way I will destroy you. Then my friend is truly dead. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair Podcast. This is episode number 474, Kenobi, parts 5 and 6. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Uncle Owen to my Haja Estri, we've got Carl LeClaire. He is my own. Excellent. <laughs> he really is your own. Uh, and and I hope the word of a fake Jedi and a thief and a liar is, is good enough for you, so... Good enough um, for me, Jason. <laughs> oh, thank you. You, you remembered my name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a great new character. Um, my goodness, Jason. Parts five and six were, for me at least, the my favorite two episodes of this of this series. I mean, the series has been great all along, but these two really finished strong in my book. So I am oh. so excited to talk about them with you today. It's it's been a slow burn that paid off in the last third of the the show, and I am so excited to talk about it. Like th- these two episodes are jam packed, and the fact that we restricted ourselves to how many points we're going to talk about it <laughs> is good because otherwise we'd be here until next week yep. talking about these two episodes. So <laughs> yeah, I, and and right, like obviously there are so many shows out there doing very in depth reviews and doing such great work with with all the episodes of Kenobi. So uh, we're, we're, we're kind of borrowing uh, from the uh, rebel base card playbook. And instead of asking questions of each other, we're going to do a very Jason and Carl Wampas letter thing, which again, we're going to just talk about some of our favorite moments from both of these episodes. Um, there are a lot of them, but we, we limited ourselves to a few from each. Um, and 
I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, we let's 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 stop beating around the bush and just just jump in. Uh, do you want to go first or shall I? Well, I'm pretty sure I'll go first, but I'm okay. pretty sure we share uh, one of the our favorite moments for sure. I, and honestly, might be my favorite moment in the whole series <laughs> is of course oh, really the flashback at the beginning of part five. Um, I guess I, oops, shoot, I should have said at the beginning. Spoilers if you've not seen the show, but. Hopefully you have because the opening clips I use kind of spoil some stuff. So uh, I feel like two, you know, two weeks out, we, we should be okay. Um, but yeah, spoilers ahead. But yes, Jason, the first moment I want to talk about, and we, we were texting about this even a ton last week, um, mm-hmm. is, of course, that flashback scene to just before the events of Attack of the Clones in the temple. Um, oh, my goodness. I just oh. I love the way they look. Um, it really pains me that my hair is too short to get a perm because I was going to show up to the to the show tonight with a perm for you, buddy. But alas, my hair is too short right now, um, and frankly, too thin. It'd probably just fall out. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I can't get over how good Hayden and Ewan look. And I, I saw a little bit of complaints online about like, why didn't they do better de aging? Screw that. They still look great for being twenty years older, and I don't care. Okay. Like it's a memory. They didn't too. do it. Okay, they didn't do any de aging. The only de aging was the fact that Ewan and Hayden uh, keep themselves in good physical condition and a bit of makeup. Yeah. That's the de aging. Right. There was no digital de aging in this, which. Yeah, I mean, do they look as young as they did 20 years ago in Attack of the Clones? No. Do I care? Not at all. Right. So, <laughs> yep. It Not was, in the least. It was fantastic. It was fantastic to get them back uh, and to tell this story through a duel, you yeah. know? Yeah. I thought that was a fantastic thing. And, and obviously, in the episode, it's something that gets referred back to repeatedly uh, as the different aspects of the duel tell the story and come up in the episode itself. But what's your favorite part of this? What, what did you want to talk oh, about? Shoot. It? Well, favorite part of it, the whole damn thing. I mean, um, so well, I, mean, right. I do want to actually point out though, that the very opening of the, the, the scene is, you know, from over Anakin's shoulder gazing at what is probably Padme's apartment. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's clearly not had any contact with her in the past 10 years. Uh, but he knows where the senators live. And I just, I really enjoyed that because it, it immediately made me think of one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars, which is, of course, the Padme rumination scene from Revenge of the Sith when Anakin and Padme are staring across the cityscape at one another, right? She's looking at the temple. He's looking at her apartment from the temple. Um, and it just kind of elicited that for me. Uh, she's she's on his mind, right? Like he he's clearly thinking about her. Um so I like how it opens, and um, the the thing I want to talk about specifically together here on air because we were going back and forth a, a ton texting last week. But this is prior, just prior to the mission to Ancion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a very specific time in their relationship. It's before all the heated events of Attack of the Clones go down, like. He clearly is thinking about Padme, but he doesn't have anything to go on other than some wistful things, you know, wistful dreams. Um, right. There's no clone war going on. Uh, he's no. not specifically feeling limited by Obi-Wan. Um, so it's a really great moment in their relationship 
there's there's such a level of playfulness in this scene. Um, and I, I said on Twitter the week this episode came out, it was kind of my bold take, but and I, I stand by it. I prefer this practice duel to their duel in Revenge of the Sith. Like I've shared before, the Revenge of the Sith duel I think is so overhyped. Like I just, I'm not crazy about it. It's fine, but like it's, it's not my favorite by the, by a long shot. Um, but I loved this duel, and I love that a lot of the choreography was informed by Revenge of the Sith. Um, mm-hmm. But I really appreciate that this is uh, this is a teaching moment for Anakin, um, yeah. and ultimately what Obi Wan is is trying to teach to him is that it's okay to not always win, that that shouldn't be the central mentality. And um, Anakin needs to learn to let go of that need to always win. And Obi-Wan points out, like, if if your ego is always at the center of this, you're doing it wrong. Um, and, you know, we were talking a lot about how important that is moving forward because then arguably probably – Weeks, days, or perhaps at most months from now, he's going to get involved with the events of Attack of the Clones. Um, right. And Anakin, Anakin is being taught, again, to like let go of his ego's need to win, to always be number one. Um, and we're going to see how that lesson will never fully take root in Anakin because exactly. Obi-Wan's trying to teach this to him and then boom, attack of the clones is going to happen and he's going to lose Shmi. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to lose Shmi. He's going to gain Padme and his mind will not be anywhere near that kind of lesson anymore. It, it, you know, for good or ill. Um, it, it, it's just the way things go for Anakin, but this lesson never gets absorbed, never gets processed into Anakin's psyche, into Anakin's spirit. Uh, and he still has that need to win. And when he loses, when he loses Shmi, that that goes against everything that he thinks that he needs to do. He wasn't able to win. He wasn't mm-hmm. able to do something to beat what was what was trying to take her from him. Yeah. And and he lost and he can't accept losing. And obviously the the duel is, you know, the flashback to this lesson, uh, but it also informs the story happening in the present because it it echoes forward into how Vader is hunting Obi-Wan and how Obi-Wan is able to outwit and escape Vader. Obi-Wan's not looking to win. Obi-Wan's just looking to to survive. Mm-hmm. And even if we just fast forward 10 years more into A New Hope, on the Death Star, Obi-Wan is not looking to win. Not the duel. He's looking to win a bigger fight. Uh, and losing the duel helps him achieve that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Vader Vader never learns this. Anakin doesn't learn it and Vader can't learn this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and I just I just find it so important that this is the arguably one of the final lessons Obi-Wan tries to teach Anakin again before losing Shmi because like you said, losing Shmi 
this is the result of not always winning, right? If I was better, if I was stronger, I could have prevented this. So this lesson that Obi-Wan tries to teach him there is is complete, completely useless to Anakin because he needs to win in order to save people. That's his job in his mind. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, and 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 you're right though. Like it's it's not just about that. I mean this this flashback is purpose. Its purpose is to be in this story that we're getting now, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's you know it's it's who do you who do you think is having this flashback? Are they both having the flashback? Um, are they both thinking about this particular moment? Do you think? Um, I I think it's Obi Wan. I think it's Mm. Obi-Wan having the flashback because if Vader was having the flashback, he might actually do something different. Mm. That's a good point. He might change things in order to win, but he doesn't. He still follows the same playbook. Um, They both know each other very, very well, obviously, and can predict, you know, how to you know, how to outmaneuver the other, but ultimately the victory ends up with Obi-Wan. And so I think this flashback is Obi-Wan's. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, because it it seems like whenever, it seems like Obi-Wan is the one acting on them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it, it, it certainly feels like, and you could probably argue that Vader is, doing probably everything in his willpower to shut out memories of Anakin, right? Because Anakin was a right. weakness that he's trying to purge right. completely. So it would make sense that, it, that it's Obi-Wan. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. It is a great question, though, um, because, you know, being this close to his old master could trigger memories like this. But I don't think – I don't think the – at least the end of it, at least the lesson at the end of it, is all Obi-Wan's flashback. Yeah. You know, perhaps they're sharing, you know, oh, I remember when this happened, but mm-hmm. the lesson is only Obi-Wan. Yeah. Well, and when that flashback ends, it's, you know, it is, it's that closing statement from Obi-Wan to Anakin, you know, um, darn it. I can't believe I can't remember the full lines, but essentially along the lines of, you know, you're a great warrior here, Anakin, but you know, but your need to win blinds you until you learn to mm-hmm. let go of that. A Padawan you will be. And then it, boom, it flashes back to Vader standing there looking at the ship that escaped him. Um, and you know what that also made me think of? Just Cause I, I love connecting tissue in star Wars is, uh, one of my favorite episodes of clone wars. Um, uh, I, I think it's crisis on Naboo, which is in season four. Um, but it's when Anakin mm-hmm. is dueling Dooku in the Naboo like dining room and then Obi-Wan comes to his aid and Dooku escapes and as Dooku is escaping, he shouts down to Obi-Wan. He says, you are a worthy opponent, Master Kenobi. I wish I could say the same about your Padawan, right? So like, again, like n- nothing irks Anakin more than somebody trying to put him in his place. Um, and right. that's how that moment felt to me in Kenobi is when Vader looks up, it's like, you're still the learner, kid. <laughs> you know, you haven't learned anything, Anakin. Right. Exactly. <laughs> haven't learned anything. Uh, so, yeah, in case you hadn't noticed, folks, um, both of us had that as one of our moments from this episode that we wanted to talk about. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was a, a huge, a huge thing. And I think everybody 
the internet collectively lost its mind yeah. um, when when that happened. Um, do you want me to go for the next moment, or yeah. do you want to take the next go, one? Go ahead. Okay. Um, the next one is much later in the episode, because we obviously have the siege and everything, but the next moment that I wanted to talk about is Tala's sacrifice, mm. because Tala has been one of my favorite characters in this show. Um, and I, I had this gut feeling from the moment we met her and realized that she was on our side, that she was going to go out in a, her, in a heroic blaze of glory. I was right, sadly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously in this episode, this is also the episode where we, we see her with the notches on her holster for mm-hmm. how many people she's saved, how many people she's gotten away through this path. And she has devoted, she is in this series completely devoted everything she is to this cause right here, this path. And in order to safeguard it, she commits the ultimate sacrifice. Um, The moment though, that, that breaks me, obviously, you know, she gets gut shot uh, falls to the ground. Obi-Wan is trying to get to her, but it keeps getting forced back by the stormtroopers. Uh, and Ned B comes and shields her. The moment that gets me, though, with, with this whole thing, for whatever reason, is that moment where she is about to burst into tears and just reaches up and touches Ned B. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, these two have been in it together for so long. You know, we don't get to see really like the relationship between the two of them. We know that they've worked together. Ned B is essentially her droid. Um, but and we don't know the challenges they've been through. We don't know how many close calls they've had. Uh, but that moment where she just reaches up and she looks like she is about to just burst into tears and she touches him as his lights go dark um, before she pulls out thermal detonator is is that moment that chokes me up every time Mm. i see the scene um and she makes sure obi-wan can't come back and get her to get her by blasting the door controls um you know she's she knows that she has to do this to keep everyone else safe and to keep obi-wan safe um and it's you know, it's such an impactful moment and uh, yeah, it gets me choked up every time I've watched it. So, well, you know, I'm going to talk about it too, because that was, I was going to talk about this one as well. There's one, there's some, my other moment is between the moments we talked about, but I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. I also love Tala's sacrifice. It's so good. It's so beautiful. Um, I mean, again, props to the music. Natalie Holt's score in this in this particular moment is wonderful. So, of course, that helps sell mm-hmm. the emotion. Um, yeah. Uh, but one of the first things that actually grabbed me about this moment is Obi-Wan trying to rescue her and not being able to. Um, that really mm-hmm. struck me because to me, it reminds me of the fact uh, Obi-Wan can't win this war, right? Like he's not the Jedi warrior from the Clone Wars. He's not General Kenobi anymore. Right. Like, right. He can't do everything. Um, and I mean, really, prior to really part four, he, he's still relatively dejected and wouldn't even think he could. 
But as he's finally like kind of getting his groove back, entering back into that headspace of being a Jedi Knight again, um, I think this scene does kind of remind him that he's very limited. You know, the Empire is so big and strong. Um, to quote Last Jedi, what do you want him to do? Go out there and uh, face down the whole First Order? I mean, Empire, right? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of has that similar mentality of what Luke tries to project to Rey. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, so I, that, re- that really struck me. Is it, it does act as a nice reminder that Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's role in this new war is going to be very different. Um, and it's not that he, I don't think that this moment alone is what reminds him of that, but it, it, I think it at least shows us the audience because, right, it could be easy to be like, well, if Obi-Wan's back and he's, he's full on Jedi Knight again, why isn't he going, why isn't he going at the Empire? Um, and it's like a, a simple little scene like this reminds us is he's only one man, um, you know, right. and that's also not what he's called to at this point. Um, but then, right. obviously, I love the moment mainly for Tala. She models to Obi-Wan uh, kind of, again, what it's why we fight. Right. Um, and, you know, that great lesson we learned from Rose Tico is we fight to save what we love, not not what we hate. Um, and that's what Tala's giving her life for is to save the remnant of what she loves to, to, to ensure that the path is safe and can continue. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it just, it lights a spark in Obi-Wan, um, her willingness to give her whole life, um, means everything to him. Um, and you know, I also really love how Ned B Ned B is probably one of my favorite droids in star Wars already. Cause like, I'm not much of a droid guy to begin with. Um, and, uh, you know, in a very basic way, like her relationship with Ned B is somewhat similar to Cassian's with K2SO, but K2SO mm-hmm. is super obnoxious and annoying. I'm not, I'm not a fan, <laughs> so, but I love Ned B cause he doesn't talk. He just does, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, but like, I never thought I'd be sad about a droid being killed until I saw Rogue One. I cared way more, though, about Ned B being killed. And I love that he does go out shielding Tala, right? Um, yeah. And, and she makes that choice then of, you know, uh, it, her fight is over. You know, she's done all she can. So she is going to do everything she can to make sure that, that the thing she's been spending so much of her life building up and protecting has just a little bit more breathing room. Um, yeah. So she gives her last breath so that they may continue to breathe. Um, yeah. So I love it. It's, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. And we need more stories about Tala and Ned B um, yes. in the early days of the path. Just yeah. putting that out there. Marvel comics. I think that's a perfect <laughs> place for, yep. for you to step up. Um <laughs> just gonna put that out there for everybody um all right well then what's you know i i did that one and we both obviously we've shared both of the moments from this yeah, episode yeah. so far uh what's the other one that you have from from part five well i'd say you might share it but it sounds like you won't since you're gonna go after this um mine is uh when reva kind of shares her backstory with obi-wan um is they're standing between that wall it's such a beautiful moment, um, and and this is really this is the moment where I really like 
I was like, yes, I definitely love Reva now. Um, the first few episodes, I wasn't nuts about that character. Um, and then this moment, because like it contextualized everything, I was like, she's great. And she's so similar to Anakin. Um, what is driving her is her desire to be more powerful and not just for the sake of power, but to protect protect others in a way, right? She admits to Obi-Wan she was too weak to save her fellow Padawans, her, fel- her fellow younglings. Um, and it completely broke her down. So she commits herself to avenging them, to becoming strong enough to avenge what she lost. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it is, it's interesting how similar um, her... It's again not the same, but similar. Her journey is to Anakin's. Um, what drives her is very similar, you know, in the sense that she really wants to become more powerful so that things like this can never happen to her again. Um, and you know, um, kind of like Luke Skywalker in the Dark Empire comic, he she joins the dark side to get close to her enemy. You know, um, this is the quickest way to do that. I'm gonna. I'm going to work up the ranks and get to Vader. But also it reveals why she hates Obi-Wan, right? Like I think the first few episodes, it makes it clear like she's after Obi-Wan specifically because she knows if she can get him out, it'll win her that favor with Vader. So early on before this story is told, it's just kind of implied she just wants to be the Grand Inquisitor, right? She wants to kind of be at Vader's right hand. But this moment reveals the truth of what she's after. She wants to get as close as she possibly can to him so that he trusts her so that she can kill him. Um, Mm -hmm. But she also hates Obi-Wan. And I like how in in this story, she turns the table on Obi-Wan. She says, he was your apprentice. Why weren't you there? Why didn't you save us? Right. So it really. Yeah. It informs why she specifically hates Obi-Wan. She holds like while she holds Anakin directly responsible, she tangentially blames Obi-Wan, just like Obi-Wan blames himself. Right. So it's this beautiful, again, one of the many beautiful moments from Ewan um, where we just get to see that emotion on his face, like a, a reminder of the guilt he's been carrying. Um, and, and now it just props to Moses Ingram in this moment too, when she, when she kind of, her voice gets so quiet, almost a whisper. She says, you know, we thought he was there to, to help us. Yeah. And he slaughtered us. And the way she says slaughtered, she delivers it so aggressively, but with a whisper, it's just brilliant acting. Um, and you know, I mean, she, just like her fellow younglings, they probably saw Anakin and are like, oh, thank God, it's the chosen one. We're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. Right? Like, that's just oh. so heartbreaking. So, like, she was just destroyed by that trauma of her, of, her, of her childhood. And it's informed every bit of her life. You know who else story that kind of reminds me of, Jason? Who? Batman. You know, um, I, I, it's, well, she did have that Batman moment, uh, you know, on Dayu. Hell so. yeah, she did. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, when I, I, I was on rebel base card last week talking about the finale and, uh, which was such a great time. Uh, the two Gregs are wonderful. Um, but I made the point like, right. Reva's Reva's living out her into adulthood 
based on this one event of trauma from her past, which I'm not blaming her for, but that's very much Bruce Wayne. And in the new Mm -hmm. Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, one of the greatest films of all time, I said it, I stand by it. Um, But there's a great scene (laughs) where Bruce is talking to Alfred and Alfred says, you always blamed yourself, but you were only a boy. Reva never had somebody tell her that like you're blaming yourself for something, but you were only a child. Like, of course you couldn't stop him and that's okay. Um, so Reva has been living a very tortured life. Um, and, and she blames Anakin slash Vader and Obi-Wan. I, I will say, and I hate, I hate being this guy and I don't mean to be that guy, but one little nitpick is doesn't it really explain how she knows Anakin is Vader. Cause like, unless he walks through and says, I'm Darth Vader in that moment, you know, he doesn't look the same. She's probably never seen him under the helmet. Again, I'm just being a, I'm just being I a mean, butthead at this point. It doesn't matter at all, but, uh, it probably took her some time to put two and two together. Um, you know, but I, I don't know that there's well, to be, yeah, something right, there like, that we didn't see. Right. Well, and to be fair, I guess, right. Like she was obviously hiding out in the gutter. She was trying to survive. I'm sure she heard on the news, like Darth Vader wiped out the Jedi in the temple. Um, and then she sees exactly. this guy, Darth Vader. And she's like, Oh my God, that must be him. Um, so, yeah. And that's how she finds her yeah. way into the inquisitor ranks. Um, with exactly. that path of vengeance. So, yeah. So I, re- I really love that moment between the wall. Um, it's a fantastic moment. And without that moment, my fit, my last moment that I want to bring up isn't as impactful because my last moment here is, uh, when Obi-Wan surrenders to her mm. and he comes back and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, he tells her, you're not bringing him to me. I'm bringing him to you. And she finally, it all starts finally clicking. Like she's been aiming to get to a place where she can have a go at Vader for a long time. And finally she, it, it almost passes. It almost seems like it's about to pass her by. She's so focused on on getting this task done that if Obi-Wan hadn't said something, I wonder if she would have missed it because she was so blinded, blind, you know, like had the mm-hmm. blinders on to like get the task done um, and would have missed her chance, you know, but Obi-Wan, you know, back to that duel finds a way to win without his weapon by essentially recruiting Reva to be his weapon for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, you're going to have your opportunity because all he will see is me. And she doesn't want to admit this, but this is the best shot she's got. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she asked, well, how do you, you know, you, you really think he won't see it coming? And that's what, you know, he says, all he'll see is me. And she, she has to admit Obi-Wan's right, you know, but she hates that. (laughs) <laughs> she hates that because she has to have help and that's not what she wanted. She didn't want help. She wanted to do this on her own because, you know, in her mind, that's how this vengeance plot plays out. This is how that works. She is the one that has to do it. She has to overcome it because otherwise it's not, it's not justice, which is what she tells Owen she's looking for later is justice. Um, 
it's misguided and, uh, you know, construed out of pain and, and trauma, but that's in her mind how this works. Uh, but that moment, and, and I think that's why she has the stormtroopers place Obi-Wan back inside the base mm-hmm. to wait yep. because it gives him the opportunity to make a run for it and steal Vader's attention. Mm-hmm. And so without really saying any words, they work together. Obviously her attempt fails, but that scene, uh, you know, Obi-Wan saying, you're not bringing him to me. I'm bringing him to you. And seeing the the all the cogs click together in Reva's brain um, uh, is a great moment because that's that's when she has to make her move when she can no longer remain as an inquisitor. Um, she is now back on her own in a sense, um, forging a path that no one knows where it will end. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and just something I I really enjoy about the moment, too, is just how in control Obi-Wan is, even though he's the one who surrendered and is, you know, just like when Luke strolls into uh, Endor after he's surrendered himself Mm -hmm. to Vader, right? Luke had the freedom of making that choice. He knows what he's doing. He's confident in what he's chosen to do, just like Obi-Wan is in this moment. Obi-Wan surrenders to her for the very reason you said, because he knows this is his way to recruit her, Um, you know, and and give her that opportunity uh, to do what she wants to do. Um, So, yeah, I I, I just (laughs) I enjoy that he's he's in control the entire time. Absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about part six. Um, yeah. Obviously, we, Jason, neither of us mentioned her duel with Vader. Um, it's it's great. I really enjoyed it. It's, I appreciated the fact that she doesn't stand a chance. I mean, just like Kanan and Ezra when they try to fight Vader, um, she's just so out of her league. Um, so, you know, I mean. And, and he doesn't even acknowledge it as like a serious duel because right. he doesn't even pull out his own lightsaber. Yes. Like, that's great. That's absolute great, like character texture in the whole duel itself. It's fantastic. It's great, but you know, it's it's sort of the exclamation point on the, you know, the journey that we've got so far uh, with these characters, which is what we're we're definitely here for. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm sure we'll talk about Reva some more <laughs> in part six. Um, but yeah, part six, Carl. This this episode's a doozy. It's so good. And like, I loved part five, but when it ended, I'm like, holy cow, there's a lot to, to wrap up in the finale. How are they going to do this? Right. And then there were all the rumors. It's like, oh, it's going to be an hour and 20 minute episode. I mean, it's you cut out the intro and the recap. You cut out the five minutes of credits. It's only like a 45 minute episode. <laughs> it's not long, yeah. but they get everything in there and knock it out of the park. Yeah. It's not a wasted second in that finale episode. No, yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, who goes first? Do you first or I first? It's just hard to understand you with that apparatus. Right, right. Well, um, (laughs) I'll go first. Okay. I I don't. I don't really know like where to put this because 
you know, obviously the duel between Obi-Wan and Vader takes up a whole huge chunk of this episode. Um, but I do want to just sort of, I don't want to just say the duel because that's a lot. And, <laughs> um, and I do like Wait, how, you who know, are you Jason? Cause I remember, you know, in the past when we've done like top, fill in the blank Shush. moments you'll be like well i actually like this 20 minute segment with them i'm like that's not a moment but all right we love you <laughs> continue <laughs> wow look at this I, I, look I'm, at this change y'all jason's like listen I, that's a huge I'm, part of the episode so let me focus it in <laughs> i mean it, yeah i know no i, know. I love it i but love it's, it <laughs> it's broken up it's broken up into, into nice chunks that are kind of easily to you know mm. easier to like to digest and pick apart. Yeah. Um, I will say I did love how, uh, especially in the first half of the duel, there's a lot of like tweaked and slightly uh, changed uh, elements of their duel that mirrors the one that we see in the training room on Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of like things that are, are similar, but not quite uh, to that duel, um, which I, I thought was really great to see a lot of different beats and, and movement sequences that were, that were similar. Um, but I think one of the biggest moments of the duel that I liked is after Obi-Wan rises from, you know, the pit uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he's back to, to take on Vader. Uh, we get that, that incredible shot of him arms outstretched with just like the entire mountainside of rocks floating up behind him. Uh, and then he just starts flinging, you know, these, these rocks and pillars at Vader, uh, in a way that I, that was when I started to like cheer a little bit. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, yes, Go, Obi-Wan! I mean, we know how this is all going to end up, so... Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought that was just a fantastic moment where Obi-Wan finally is able to, like... Uh, to turn the tide of this duel and to... Uh, he's no longer trying to necessarily, uh, you know dance around things. Uh, he is definitely there. This is full general Kenobi in a sense. Like he is there to complete the mission, no matter what that's going to be. Uh, and, and of course that ends up with some other stuff that I've parsed out a little bit more. And I'm sure we'll talk in some of the details that happen after this moment, uh, later, but like that second, that's second half of the duel after, Obi-Wan rises out of the pit uh, is probably my favorite chunk of that whole duel. And and that moment in particular was just a really cool moment to me. So uh, I figured I'd get the, the, oh, super cool part out of the way um, (laughs) (laughs) of this episode. Because there's a lot of heavy stuff we're going to get into, I'm sure. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I I have several thoughts about the duel that I'm going to hit pause on now um but i will say just because you're highlighting that particular moment of him coming out of the pit uh i really enjoyed how it's we get that really great shot of it's it's vader walking with his back to him and then obi-wan kind of like surprises him from behind um mm-hmm. just it, i mean this is just how, sorry this, i could i'm probably gonna do this a few more times throughout the episode but 
whenever I watch Star Wars, I always think of other Star Wars. And it just reminds me of that. One of my favorite shots in Empire Strikes Back is when Luke is walking through the arcade room on Cloud City. And boom, you just get Vader slashing down over his head, like out of nowhere. Yeah. That just reminded me yeah. of that, but it's Obi-Wan doing it. So it was kind of cool to see that done to Vader. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that, that's a great part of that, that particular segment of the duel as well. Um, but the first point, the first moment I want to actually point out is right from the beginning of the episode. And it's uh, Obi-Wan's little speech to the remnant, uh, you know, telling them why he needs to mm-hmm. leave. Uh, I just absolutely love this moment. Um, and it's it's Obi-Wan coming to this resolution. And I think it's very much inspired by Tala um, from, you know, what we talked about from the previous episode where he sees her give up everything to to preserve the path. Obi-Wan's ready and willing to do that as well by pulling Vader off their scent. He knows again, he knows Vader will come after him. Um, and I love how he, he stands up and he's very insistent that they are the future. He says, you are the future. And then he grabs Leia and he says, you are the future. You know, um, you are what needs to survive. It's not this like defeatist, like uh, depression from Obi-Wan where it's like, I don't matter. The heck with me. I can die. I think what's beautiful about it is, he, again, kind of similar to the point I was making from the last episode where he becomes, you know, it becomes very clear that he has his limitations. Obi-Wan understands that he represents a time that is gone, right? Like Mm -hmm. General Kenobi, leader of the clone army during the Clone Wars, that is not the way to fight this war. You know, the Jedi lost that last war by by fighting it in and of itself. Obi-Wan understands that what he kind of represents is the old way. So he wants to do his best to protect the future, to protect something new, something ideally better than what they had before it. And I love when he says, you know, you spent 10 years protecting Jedi. Let me repay you, right? Like as, as Jedi master, Obi-Wan Kenobi only could, you know, he, he wants to do this as kind of a, a thank you. And as an acknowledgement of, what they what they have what they are building is going to be far more important than what he brings to the table. Um, so I really love that moment. Yeah, and little Corin Horn and his mom are there. So that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. He, he's for those of you wondering that boy that uh, Haja sent away in episode two is there. Uh, he and his mom are there. Mom actually gets gut shot during the battle and survives. Yeah. Um, and uh, the boy is the one that Leia is trying to cheer up with Lola mm-hmm. here in the beginning of this episode. Uh, that's Corrin Horn. So, um, I, I, but yeah, I, no, it's a. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm smelling that an I Jedi reread might be ha- having to happen soon. Um, it's been a long time since maybe I've read just that a book, bit. but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I Jedi is such a good book. It's such a unique book. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it is a great scene because it is, you know, not only is it Obi-Wan, uh, you know, doing something as a, as a thank you to all, all these people who have, who have fought and, and done the best they could to, to safeguard Jedi and those who are force sensitive, but it is also his way to preserve them, uh, to save them, to save Leia uh, and to make sure that Vader um, doesn't commit some sort of, uh, you know, massacre on them 
like he did at the Jedi Temple 10 years ago. So, because he would, if Vader got to them, none of them would be left alive. That is 100% true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's a, it is a great moment. And I do think it's a, it's nice to see Obi-Wan stepping up like that and, you know, really kind of taking charge and saying, no, this is how it has to be. And it's the only way it's, you know, obviously he feels bad uh, because he can't keep his promise to Leia, but it's the only way to make sure that she does get back to bail mm-hmm. um, and to make sure that he can thank everyone and keep everyone who've, you know, been safeguarding this path safe um, after they've, you know, put themselves at risk for so long. So, yeah. Uh, well, what's another moment for you? Uh, well, I, I'm going to sort of skip to the end of the duel uh, between Obi-Wan and Vader. And uh, obviously the duel ends with Obi-Wan doing a nicely positioned downward splash. First of all, can I just say, one of the most brutal things Obi-Wan Kenobi has ever done isn't just cutting off Anakin's arms, arm and legs and leaving him on the banks of Mustafar. It is turning the hilt of his lightsaber around and slamming it into Vader's chest piece repeatedly. Mm. That was a cool move. And also that was, that was when it was like, this is general Kenobi. This is not Obi-Wan. This is not Ben. That's general Kenobi coming out again for just a moment. Um, but and then he has that the the slash that opens up the helmet, which I'm so glad we got to see Hayden inside the helmet again. Or not again, but inside the helmet like that. And we get the conversation between Obi-Wan and not Anakin, Darth Vader. Because the whole culmination of, of that conversation, in my mind, is Vader saying you didn't kill Anakin I did and not only does he tell Obi-Wan that but he's saying it with sort of a smirk kind of a smile because he knows it's going to hurt Obi-Wan mm. um, he believes it too obviously it looks like he can 100% believes it um to to Vader, Anakin is dead. And so from a certain point of view, Obi-Wan takes that and and has to believe it. Because Anakin said so. You know? Mm-hmm. Anakin is dead because the person who used to be Anakin told him that. Yeah. To his face. So... It's heartbreaking, uh, but it it just underscores the how how tortured and vindictive Vader is at this point because he really it his whole point this entire time has been to make Obi Wan suffer. Mm. And we saw that in episode three when he tossed him in the, the fire. And now here he is 
you know, in peril. Like he could die if he doesn't get seen too soon, but he still is going to take the time to just get one more stab of the heart in an Obi-Wan to make Obi-Wan suffer. And it's, it's heartbreaking that, that Anakin is that far gone at this point that Vader is the only thing that we can see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I'll, I'll share some general thoughts on the duel. Cause obviously I wanted, I was going to talk about the duel as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it. So, uh, just a couple highlights from the first part. I mean, I just shout out to the music again, Natalie Holt's yeah. piece of music here is awesome. And, um, you know, I saw some people online saying they're like, oh, they should have used the Battle of the Heroes. No, they shouldn't have because that's that music was created for Anakin versus Obi-Wan. This is a totally different fight. Um, yeah, they just yeah. A lot of people just they just want nothing but fan service all the time. I just don't get it. <laughs> um, but be that as it may, the new piece of music is awesome. I really love it. Um, and of course, right. We see Obi-Wan going into his Jedi f- form. Uh, you know, as mm. he does the two fingers in front of him and yeah. makes ready to, to do battle. But yeah, I also want to just quickly like hit on when he does get buried, right? Everybody has pointed out how he looks up to uh, Vader, right? Like Vader's finally got the high ground um, and he doesn't have the hubris to try to jump over him um, like he did with Darth Maul. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what 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 keeps him alive? What I mean, we see him lift his hand right away. As soon as Vader starts throwing the rocks down on him, like we do see him using the force to like create a create a bubble of protection around himself. But what inspires him to get out of that moment is just that those visions of Luke and Leia. Um, and I, yeah. I just think it, it it's a great contrasting from the first episode where he's having that nightmare when he's sleeping in the cave by himself mm. and all he's all he's living with is his regret and the things that fell apart in his life. Um, And that makes him not want to fight, right? Like there, there is no fight. The the war's over. We lost, as he says later in that first episode, because he doesn't really believe in anything anymore. He's lost everything. Um, But everything has changed. Now he realizes again, that there's a future hope out there and that's what springs him to action, springs him back to life. Um, which I think is just wonderful. And then, yeah, I like you, I also want to key in on the end of that duel, that that dialogue. Um, uh, again, I I always think it's important to, it's okay, I think it is okay for us to sometimes be a little critical. I do think the dialogue could have been better. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Like, I, I really like what we got. Um, the one thing that surprises me, though, is when Vader shows up to the duel, again, it's a very Kylo Ren, Last Jedi moment when he's like, you know, did you come here to destroy me, Obi-Wan? It's, just like Kylo saying to Luke, did you come here to forgive me or whatever the hell it is? No. <laughs> um, you know, I wish Obi-Wan would have tried talking to him first rather than immediately igniting his blade. That felt very that felt very odd to me that he immediately goes to goes on the attack as opposed to try to reason with him. I mean, he was once known as the negotiator. Um, so that felt a little odd. But the way I've also seen my way around that, Jason, though, is maybe there's a part of him that just doesn't want to believe that Anakin is actually in there, that maybe this is somebody else who just took the name Darth Vader, but it's the striking of the helmet where yeah. Anakin's face is exposed, where he's really obviously 100% concrete, that is Anakin. Um, yeah. 
And that's the first I, time I, I he 100% says agree with that. Mm. I, I 100% agree with that because he would not have gone as hard as he did. He would not have been that brutal. Like I said, you know, with the, the lightsaber to the chest plate, um, you know, if he believed it was Anakin at the time. But snapping the helmet open, revealing Anakin Skywalker inside the mask breaks him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I certainly can't 100% buy that this is one the exact moment when he's 100% sure because, I mean, he clearly, no, Reva throws him off at the end of episode two and then he senses him in episode three. Like, he knows he's in there, but again, just seeing his face obviously changes everything. And Ewan's yeah. acting in this moment, um, as, as Greg said last week on, on when we were doing Rebel Base Card, Ewan deserves an Emmy just for this scene. Um, I mean, just the emotion on his face. Um, and, and what I mean by is like, I thought the dialogue could have been a little bit better. And again, I, it's, it's very good. There's, they don't necessarily need to exchange a lot of words, but I, another thing I find odd. So the two things I find odd, I guess, about this fight. Um, and again, I, I only bring these up just cause like, it's important to also sometimes say like things that, you know, to have critical thoughts as well. I don't hate it in any way because these things didn't happen. But again, first off, thought it was a little odd that Obi-Wan immediately goes for, goes for the fight first. And secondly, why doesn't he mention Padme? Like, I, it just drives me crazy that he doesn't say, because Padme's dying words are there still good in him. And she says that to Obi-Wan. Why the hell does he not mention Padme? Um, I just, I don't know. I just think that that was weak sauce that she doesn't get mentioned there. I mean, I love that he obviously talks about her to Leia without saying her name. It makes sense to not say it to Leia, but I don't get why he wouldn't have said to Anakin, Padme believed in you. Are you really that gone? And again, yes, I know I'm being very like, oh, these were my expectations and I get it. It doesn't weaken the moment. It's still beautiful. It's still great. But it just surprises me. He doesn't mention Padme. Um, but all that. So I'm, I just wanted to get that out, Jason. Like, again, this is not really right, like saying yeah. that this moment sucks because that stuff wasn't there. It's the movement is still amazing because, like we said, like when he sees Anakin's face, it's just so heartbreaking. And when Anakin says, you know, Anakin Skywalker is gone. I am what remains. Um, it's so heartbreaking like you said for obi-wan and just that emotion and and him saying i'm sorry anakin for all of it that is such Mm -hmm. i i love the subjectivity of that statement all of it what does that mean like what what are you sorry for specifically obi-wan but i just think it's it's meant to be kind of a blanket statement like i'm sorry you couldn't trust me more i'm sorry i wasn't more upfront with what i knew was going on with you right um i'm sorry i let you down um, it's so sad. Um, yeah. and, and again, like kudos to the brilliance of the voices going between Hayden and James Earl Jones. That was yeah. absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. And like you said, then Vader says you didn't kill Anakin. I did. Um, which totally, I am not your failure. Yeah. You didn't kill Anakin. I did. Yeah. So what he tells Luke is actually quite true in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's Darth Vader's very own words. He ceased to be Anakin because he was killed by Darth Vader. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's and then when Obi-Wan says goodbye, he doesn't say goodbye to Anakin because his tre- his friend is truly gone, truly dead. My friend is truly dead, right? It's mirroring that line from Luke and Return of the Jedi. My father is truly dead. My friend is mm-hmm. truly dead. Goodbye, Darth. 
Um, and he calls him Darth in A New Hope, only a master of evil, Darth. Um, right? Like Anakin's gone right. to him at that point, and he just leaves. He leaves heartbroken, but not defeated. Right? His heart is broken that Anakin is gone. That this is the final confirmation your friend is gone. Um, and then you know, then Vader screaming out after him, Obi Wan with the muffled vocal box and stuff again just brilliant i mean this is just a monster screaming in pain um yeah and it's it's yeah so those that's that's all my pretty general specific thoughts on on that duel i mean it's great and again i love the choreography of this duel also preferred this this duel to much of the revenge of the sith duel as well um really really enjoyed the choreography i wish they could hold the camera steady that's my only other because <laughs> i really hate yes all the i did notice cam, i did notice but, some of that yeah, uh yeah. watching the episodes again i was like uh, okay all right we're, we're moving just a little too much yep. it's not like it's not extreme right but it's, it's just a little it's one too step much away from extreme taste. to me so, yeah yeah it's just like yeah. can you hold the damn camera st- steady <laughs> So, but I'd like to actually see the duel, not like have it whiz past my face. Right. And I, I mean, <laughs> my guess, and I again, I'm no film literate, like overly literate in film stuff. But my guess is they're trying to make us feel like we're in the fight. Um, and yeah. and I appreciate it for that. I would just prefer it was zoomed out a bit more. Um, but again, that's just a preference thing. I know a lot of people love the way that it was shot, but. Um, right. My preference would have been for more wide angle shots so we can see more of the choreography. <laughs> so, um, yes. but yeah, but again, well, speaking but I still of wide angle it. shots, the, yeah. the shot of Darth Vader approaching Obi-Wan uh, at the beginning of the duel, and it's just a wide angle of the plane with yeah. Obi-Wan on one side of the screen and Vader stalking towards him as it slowly zooms in with just the, the moon in the background yeah. and the spires behind Obi-Wan probably my favorite shot in the entire series it's a um, good one it's a very it's, good one it's a print worthy shot like that needs to be on art yeah uh everywhere so <laughs> <laughs> uh well what's another one for you uh, well we're gonna leave jabim finally um <laughs> um and we're gonna we're gonna hit the homestead um, and, and Riva having to go up against Owen and Baru, which here's the thing going into this last episode. I thought Obi-Wan was going to have to come and stop Riva. Mm, That was what I thought was had to happen. Yep. But the way they did it with Owen and Baru being the ones to, to put up the fight and to resist Reba works so much better than what I thought was supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's so good because it references right back to the first episode when Reba gets up in Owen's face and says, you think you could protect him from me? Well, we're, we're finding out right now um, as you know, Owen and brew fight tooth and claw against Riva to protect Luke from her and the fight is so you know it's so desperate that Riva says you really love him as if he was your own and Owen says the words that are just perfect he is my own uh, and that moment in particular is 
the best part of that whole scene, uh, the confrontation there in the Lars homestead. Um, you know, there's other great moments, but that moment right there with Owen and Reva face to face again. And he just says, he is my own. Mm-hmm. Like this is a man who will do anything to protect Luke, to protect his son, because that's what he views Luke as. Even though he's his uncle, he views him as his son. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, sorry, are you, <laughs> I don't want to start talking yeah. over you. No, you're good. Go ahead. Well, yeah, that's definitely the the next moment I was going to talk about as well, um, because it's it's so beautiful. Um, you know, uh, sorry, I'm just uh, doing a little bit of bit boppany boost because I really want to <laughs> I really want to play that that line with um, with Owen because it is it. And also, Jason, it's worth pointing out that the duel is intercut with the protection of Luke, right? Yes. Um, And to your point, right, I think it's something that's really brilliant is, you know, like you said, we really thought this was going to be, um, we really thought that it was going to have to be Obi-Wan to get back there to protect Luke from Reva. But what we learn is, in fact, Baru and Owen are plenty capable of, of taking care of this on their own. So... Here, I'm just going to play this real, this clip really quick because it's just so beautiful. Go for it. You really love the boy. Like he's your own. He is my own. Ah, oh, he is my own. <laughs> God, give Joel Edgerton a freaking Emmy just for that line. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love it. I love the way Owen and Baru work together too. And I like that she's pissed off at him because he's like, Ben, Ben's not around. And whose fault is that? (laughs) You know, like, boom, like this is, you know, but then, but she follows it up with, I knew this may come, you know, we're I'm not going to put anybody else at risk. We're not going to go looking for help. We're enough. You and me. Like, I love that. I love Baru's confidence and belief that they are capable of protecting their child. Um, and I like the idea that she's – I think she's acquired these blasters yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. on her own yep. and hidden them away without Owen knowing um, <laughs> yeah. because he doesn't seem to have any idea what she's doing uh, pulling those out. Uh, right. <laughs> right. It's so good. Um, and then, yeah, of course, like my favorite part of that is you know, you really love him as if he's your own. He is my own. And again, just – to one of the most consistently wonderful themes all across Star Wars storytelling is the theme of family and what it means to yeah. be family, right? There are so many different types of family in Star Wars. Obviously, there is blood lineage. There is found family, chosen family. Um, but this is also another type of family, right? You know, uh, Adoptive. Family. Adopted family. And, and much more clearly so than really even what Ray claims at the end of episode nine. Um, and and I'm, I'm hesitant to say a lot about what it means to be part of an adopt family. It's not an experience I know, but um, Greg referenced this when we were doing rebel base card again last week. So our, our good friend, Ben, he, I mean, both of his children are adopted and he, he loves having conversations about what it means to, to, to be an adopted father. And, and he's a phenomenal father. And I know that directly from experience spending time with Ben and his kids. Um, so I love that this moment's theirs because, yeah, Luke, I mean, even though Luke even calls them uncle and aunt, they are his parents. 
for yeah. f- in all intents and purposes, they are his parents. So I just, I just love this scene because it, it reminds us again that family always can take different shapes and different forms. And however you find family or whatever family you find yourself in, when people care about you, that's all that family is, is people that care to protect you and to love you. And, and then, you know, when Owen gets thrown off the, you know, off the balcony, um, and he yells to Brew, she's coming. And then Brew just gets that great f- shot at Riva, just absolutely great shot and <laughs> screaming to Luke to get out, you know, um, just the, just the fierceness of these two, um, mm-hmm. again, flushes out so much more of a new hope and, and their, tra- the tragedy, it, it, you know, I mean, there, there are very few really brutal shots in star Wars. And yet one of the most brutal, I would argue is the, the remains of Owen and Beru in a new hope. And yeah. you can't help but think now, like, damn, that's probably what it took to defeat them. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, right. It, it, it wasn't like, Oh, it wasn't just overkill. It was these two put up a fight, and that was what it took to stop. Yeah, like one hundred percent. I I that is now how I will view that forever in light of this this episode of Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. So, yeah. Right. I mean, and it's just yeah. So I mean, that's really all I have to say about that moment. But I just I absolutely love it. Absolutely. Well. Why don't you go ahead and give us uh, a moment here because uh, we've we've shared a bunch of stuff. Uh, So go ahead and you take the next one. We're probably going to (laughs) share. Yeah, yeah, I'd be be really surprised if you don't want to talk about meeting Qui-Gon. Ah, yes. Um, I mean, right, you and I, I mean, I think we all assumed Qui-Gon was going to have some sort of appearance in the show because he's, you know, Obi-Wan's been calling out to him throughout the series. Um, You know, you and I had a discussion early on. Is it, are we going to just hear his voice? Are we going to see him? I initially posited a couple episodes back that we wouldn't see him because that was something he Mm -hmm. hadn't learned. But then somebody corrected me. Um and pointed out that in the short story from a certain point of view, the A New Hope book, uh, Claudia Gray writes a story called Master and Apprentice. And it, it's in that story that Qui-Gon is actually able to manifest himself in the Force. So I know I read that story when that book came out. I just completely forgot about it. So um, I appreciate somebody reminding me of that. Um, and, and it was somebody reminding me kindly. Like, it wasn't just one of those jerks like, well, actually, this is where it happens. It was somebody that I actually knew and, like, DM'd me and said, oh, actually, here's where it was. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks. Um, I think it yeah. was I think it was our friend Dave. Um, but I could be wrong. So I apologize if it wasn't you, Dave. And I apologize if I forgot who you were. So sorry. But I also appreciate you being respectful about re- <laughs> correcting me. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, I, I mean, seeing Qui-Gon and I'm so glad that they did show him because I think just hearing his voice actually would have been a little underwhelming. Um, So actually getting to see him, see him in all Jason, every time I've watched this episode and Qui-Gon appears, I just, Oh, I just, I was like, I just want to turn on Phantom Menace now. (laughs) I just need, I just need all the Qui-Gon in my life again. Um, But I, I mean, I love this so much. I love the, the like just the joyful smile on Obi-Wan's face that, you know, like th- th- this part of his journey is coming to its end as he steps into something newer and bigger even still. But mm-hmm. he's so centered in himself. He's found himself again. And that's when Qui-Gon becomes visible. And I love that, you know, Obi-Wan says it was beginning to think you were you, you weren't coming. I was always here, Obi-Wan. 
you just were not ready to see. And I, I mean, this is, I mean, Pete Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon hitting us with some wisdom. Um, Absolutely. Right. Just a, a reminder that, uh, he was always there, but Obi-Wan just couldn't see it because he was so consumed by his grief. Um, and again, it's not a way of saying that his grief didn't have meaning or didn't have purpose or it's bad to hold on to grief. I think it's more of just a critique of his, if we get so lost in that grief, if we get so lost in the, the regrets and the pains of our past, we cannot see the way forward because, right, we're always right. looking backwards. We're always falling down. As Shmi said in episode one, don't look back. Again, we have to process. We have to heal from those things. Obi-Wan has now done that. But Qui-Gon has just pointed out, like, I was almost like I was waiting for you. What took you so long? I think he even says it. You know, what took you yeah. so long? Um, so it took you long enough. Yeah, it took you long yeah. enough. It's so good. And, you know, I mean, just such a such a beautiful lesson that um, now, now Obi-Wan is able to see. Obi-Wan is able mm-hmm. to see that the Force is at work, that the Force is guarding the future is is working out its own will and obi-wan is finding his place within that and is finding his belief again um and i love that qui-gon's going to be the one who's going to obviously guide him forward um and uh, i i made a comment at, at, on social media after seeing this episode is i also just i love that line even from outside the the particulars of the story itself of what it means to obi-wan but i think this this line of you were not yet, you know, you weren't ready to see is an important lesson to all of us in Star Wars fandom that, right, we get it's so easy to get bent out of shape um, because it's easy to just pay attention to the things that didn't work for you. And granted, I obviously shared some of my own nitpicks earlier, but I'd like to think that while there were things that I would have preferred maybe a little differently, it doesn't mean that I didn't like what was here. And I think Qui-Gon is offering us like you're not going to really be able to see how beautiful the story of Star Wars continues to be if all you're ever doing is looking at, well, why didn't it do this or why didn't it do that? And, well, I always wanted this and they did that instead, right? So I feel like we get in our own way all the time. Um, And again, like I do think it's good and fine to have critiques or say like, well, this didn't quite work the way I was hoping it would or like I wish they'd done this maybe instead. But if you get lost in that, you kind of can't appreciate how fun star Wars continues to be. Um, yeah. So, and, and to piggyback off of that, I think it's, it's a nice little, uh, summary of, of the, the show itself in a, mm. in a smaller bit, because uh, you know, I was here for the show from the beginning. Like this is what I've been waiting for ever since they announced star Wars, you know, mini series and, and TV series. This is what I've been waiting for. I've been invest. I was invested in this show before it began. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but I kept hearing over the course of the weeks that it, the you know the episodes were coming out. The people were really like, "Oh, this isn't really that great. It's kind. It's very slow. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that?" Uh, and then we finally get it all coming together in these final two episodes they've been laying you know uh, you know breadcrumbs and pulling strings together you know through four episodes and then they finally start weaving them all together uh and giving us the full picture right at the end 
which is what happens. Like if you're putting a puzzle together, you're, you're putting pieces together here. You're putting pieces together. You put the frame together first to kind of help give yourself the boundaries. And then you fill in the picture as you put the puzzle together. And that's what happened here with this show. And uh, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find people that go, Oh yeah, it was a terrible show now um, after those (laughs) last two episodes. So um, now that we see the whole picture and I think that's part of just society in general, it was, we need everything now. Yeah. We need everything yesterday is what it is. Right. Right. You know? Um, and so we have to have all the information and all the, you know, the story threads yesterday and we don't let it all play out before we start making our judgments on this, that, or the other thing. And I think that's the kind of, loops back into, you know, Qui-Gon saying, you weren't ready to see because it wasn't done. It wasn't complete. Now Obi-Wan has completed the, this this period of, of grieving, of mourning, of of moving beyond this trauma that he has been holding on to and, and, and having to process over a decade. Uh, and now he can see the way forward. And Qui-Gon is there waiting for him. And I, I have not read from a certain point of view yet, so I, mm. I was not aware of that story. So I'm glad to know it's in there. Um, I have the book. I've just not read it. Uh, but I was watching all of this with – and when I say all of it, I mean like Kyle and I, I went over to his house on Saturday and we watched all six episodes, four and a half hours of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was wonderful. Um, <laughs> but – you know, we we got to this point in in the show, and I turned to him and was like, you know, it makes sense because if you're spending a decade teaching Yoda how to commune and how to transform into the Force, he's going to help you learn and grow beyond the you know what you had access to ten years prior. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Qui Gon has figured out how to manifest as a Force ghost. You know, at this point, so. Uh, that that made sense to me uh, in retrospect because, like you, I I, I didn't e- expect to see him. I expected to hear him. I didn't expect to see him, but I'm so glad we did because it was just wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's yeah. it's very good and 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 kind of like a nice validation that you know again just contrasting it with that first episode where. He does call out to Qui-Gon, but he's calling out from this place of like, I messed up. I broke everything. I let you down. Whereas like, he probably doesn't even believe if like he obviously knows Qui-Gon is out there. I mean, right. Yoda tells him that at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So uh, why else would he even be calling out to him? But I think deep down, he just doesn't believe he's even worthy of hearing from Qui-Gon. So again, there's just like that sweet validation of like, hey, I'm so glad you were able to 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 get yourself out of that slump get yourself out of that that pit you were living in because you're great and we have so much to do (laughs) yeah well come on we've got a long way to go yeah (laughs) uh and uh we're just getting started yep and i'm so happy uh kyle uh carl yeah sorry Uh i i I almost called you Kyle there for a second because I was back 
Saturday watching it <laughs> on his couch uh, for a minute there. Sorry. Um, but, Carl, we're going to get more Qui-Gon in just a couple months with Tales of the Jedi coming out yep. in August. Oh, and I'm here for that it. It comes out in August? I think it's August. It's sometime this oh. fall. Okay. I, but I think it's August. I, I know Andor comes out the 31st of August. Yes. So I thought Tales of the Jedi we was only have, fall, so I don't know. But yes, all the same, we're getting more Qui-Gon this year. <laughs> yes, we're getting more Qui-Gon this year, and we're getting a brand new series uh, in two months um, Yeah, from, from Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, uh, I think we're going to have uh, a bit more time to sit with Obi-Wan Kenobi because it's wonderful, and we need to, and I, I would love to just keep talking about this show for our a long time to come, but yeah, uh, I'm so excited, Carl. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And right there, there have been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of talk around a possible season two now, right? It, it, they've been very clear that they wrote this to be a one and done, right? It was going to be a limited series. That's what Deborah Cho was doing. That's what the writers were doing. That's what Kathleen Kennedy committed them to. Um, but they're now open to doing a season two because, I mean, Ewan has been kind of the first to really express how much he'd love to come back to it. Um, and Deborah Chow also said, well, there's still another 10 years. There's certainly other stories we could tell. Um, but what, I mean, what do you think? Do you want more? Um, I would want more if they give us a good enough reason mm -hmm. to have more. Um, this story, I felt, is is now an essential part of Star Wars. And it's a story that needed to be told because we needed to have some sort of resolution for Obi-Wan between the tragedy of Revenge of the Sith and, you know, the old wizard who starts training Luke Skywalker in the ways of the Force. We needed something to to show us how that happened and the 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 stakes that they put into this show were huge mm -hmm. for for obi-wan my concern with getting a season two is that they can't replicate these stakes again and if they do find a way to replicate these stakes again then it cheapens this mm -hmm. so if they can give me a good enough reason to have a season two, I will be here for it. But I'm hesitant to want a season two because of how perfect I think this story was. And I don't want anything to cheapen this story. Sure. So what about you? Where, where are you at with the idea of a season two? Yeah, I mean... I, I would say a very similar place to you in the fact that, I mean, if, if they find a really compelling story to tell, um, cool, I'll be here for it. But that said, I don't think, I mean, if they choose to do it, the part of me doesn't, I don't want as big of a staked story. Like, I don't think, I don't think they should have Vader in it again. Like, I'd love to see Vader bopping around, maybe hunting the path or something. And that's something I'd love to see, like, Reva's story continue as maybe going and helping the path, right? Like, she's going to help other Force sensitives. She's going to do the things she couldn't do, again, in her mind, when she was a youngling. So maybe now she'll help protect future younglings, which I'd love to see that. I'd love to see maybe Vader hunting them. But as far as Obi-Wan's story goes... 
Um, I think if it's another big, like, oh, Leia's in trouble or like, or some big dastardly thing where like Luke gets kidnapped and taken off planet, I think, yeah, that's a little heavy handed at that point. I mean, there is definitely a part of me that would love a season two because I'd also, I, I mean, I'd, I'd happily sit down and watch a couple hours of Qui-Gon teaching Obi-Wan stuff about the force. So, you know, like I, Qui-Gon is debatably my favorite Jedi. So like, I would love to see more of him. Um, and I'd be, and I'd be cool with seeing like a, a kind of a more down to earth story for Obi-Wan. Cause that's, I mean, that's kind of what I thought we were going to get with Kenobi, right? Him on Tatooine, like protecting Luke. And they told us a totally different story with much bigger stakes. And I thought it was phenomenal. And they, they, they did nothing that I expected. And they were again, incredible with the story they told. So I feel like season two would have to, I shouldn't say would have to be, because like I'm not a writer, and, and I, I don't mean to impose my will. And it doesn't matter if I try anyway. I'm, I'm nobody. <laughs> um, but that said, like I think a season two would have to be more down-to-earth for Obi-Wan. I just think that. like um, Yeah. I don't think we can see him constantly running off. Although, I mean, they do leave it open. Uh, the fact that he does leave Owen and Brew, and he says to Owen, like, you know, you, you and Brew are enough to protect him. Um, and the future will take care of itself. So like, uh, you know, it's, it's clear that he physically moves too. I mean, he moves out of that cave. The cave was clearly much closer to the Lars homestead and he moves into mm-hmm. the dune sea and builds this hovel, which is much further away. So he really is yeah. keeping that distance. Um, again, yeah. the one thing I would Here, love, sorry, <laughs> um, I'll, sorry. I'll shut Here's up. The, yeah. The, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your, your final thought there, but Here's the thing. A season two couldn't, didn't nec- doesn't necessarily have to follow Obi-Wan Kenobi. We could have Reva's story. Right. And have her travel to Tatooine and seek guidance from Obi-Wan. Sure. You know, and we could get Obi-Wan back that way. We could get other stories and have Obi-Wan show up in them. You know, if, if Ewan McGregor wants to come back and play Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. make any story possible to squeeze him in there. Absolutely. That is what I will say. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be so here for that. Um, and I mean, I will say one thing that like uh, we saw no further resolution about the fact that Owen is super wary of Obi-Wan in A New Hope. That mm-hmm. I mean, we know that he's wary of I mean, the first episode. Yes. Like he wants to keep Obi-Wan at bay because Obi-Wan was the reason Anakin died. Um, but I mean, the, the kind of the disdain he has for that crazy old wizard doesn't come across. I mean, I love the heartfelt moment of him saying, do you want to meet him? Right. Like it, it just, it makes for a really happy ending, which I think is beautiful. Um, but you know, I mean, and I, I read, uh, there's a, a trade comic that came together and this is all like the new canon, but it, it's called the journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's a collection of the comics that look back at some of Obi-Wan stories on Tatooine. And right. in one of those comics is the famous scene of Owen going to, um, Obi-Wan's hut and like dumping a bunch of parts that he brought to Luke to build with. And he's just like, stay out of our life, like blah, blah, blah. So there is a disconnect in that, in that sec, that latter decade where Owen mm-hmm. does become uh, almost disdainful of Obi-Wan. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to see that story. Cause like, that'll be kind of a bum, bum you out story. Um, but this story didn't give us that directly. Um, and again, like, I think that's right. fine. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, these are things that I would just kind of like love to see if they did do a season two. Um, but 
doesn't mean that they're going to do one and it doesn't mean that that's what they would do if they do, <laughs> you know? Right. So exactly. So, yeah. And, and the big, the big thing is that I didn't see coming. Reva is still alive. Yeah. And she's not an inquisitor anymore. Right. She's on her own. She's free. She's free. Yeah. So love that. Uh, yeah. Which means that she has to figure out what she wants to do and who she wants to be. Yep. Uh, and that's a story I'd be interested to see. Yeah. Um, Me too. Yeah. I mean, but, I, I just feel like the path, like going to help the path, this seems just like a very natural progression for her. Right. Um, yeah. She couldn't, she couldn't save those kids because she was a child, but now as an adult, she, it's not really her job to save them, but she could at least protect them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd love just to imagine her, her sure. showing up to Roken and his reaction to her yeah. <laughs> trying to convince Roken, Hey, I'm actually yeah. on your side yeah. this time. I'd love so. to see more Roken too. Yeah. Oh, the only I, character we've seen with a bowcaster besides a Wookiee. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've heard some of these characters might be coming back in other stuff. So who knows? Maybe we'll see some of them in, in Andor. So oh, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Cause it's around this. I th- yeah. I think Andor, well, Andor's a little bit later than Kenobi in the timeline, but not much. If no, I recall, right. No, not yeah. much. I, I, I'd have to double check the timeline, but I yeah. think they're at least right around the same period. Uh, maybe give or take a couple years, but yeah. I think Andor is either con- concurrent or slightly after, which means some of these characters could still be around yeah. like Roken, Haja. Warren Horn and his mother. Yeah. Haji. Haja. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Just one last thing about the episode. Yeah. It did my heart very good, even though I'm not sure they quite got the makeup right to see Ian McDermott back as Palpatine for just a minute. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and have him essentially put an end to Darth Vader's pursuit and obsession of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's... That's why it stopped here for Vader is because Palpatine said so. Right. Because obviously Vader was ready to just tear the universe apart to find him again. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I've been thinking more about Palpatine's somewhat vague lines to Vader too, right? Like if you cannot let mm-hmm. the past die or something like that. And he, it's almost like a dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot sentence. He never finishes the thought. But oh yeah, no, I think it's really it, like I think Sidious is wary of Vader pursuing Kenobi for so like so ardently because he's worried it might dig up something from Anakin, right? Because that's why he opens it by saying like, "My friend, you seem troubled. Like I, I'm worried that your feelings for your former master might be." You know, getting in the way again. I'm not. I'm, I'm butchering the lines. I'm not right. doing verbatim here, but it's essentially that sentiment of be wary here, apprentice. And and right, and it's 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 a really disturbing scene because um, when he says Kenobi means nothing, I serve only you, my master. And then the emperor kind of like gives him a little grin, um, mm-hmm. almost like reining in his dog. Right? Like it's, it's oh yeah. Again, like. Like we all know, Anakin, who was once a slave, becomes a slave again to Palpatine. This is a scene that kind of reminds you of the pitiful state that Darth Vader lives in. Yeah, Palpatine cracked the. Palpatine didn't even crack the whip. 
He yeah. just like shook the whip in Vader's direction. Right. Um, and right. he cowed. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was great. I loved that little scene. Um, loved oh, the payoff yeah. of the that, Imperial March in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talked about quibbles. That was my quibble. I didn't think they got the makeup quite right. I thought it looked yeah. a little funky. That's um, but, you know, I will, I will take funky makeup if it <laughs> meant, meant we got Ian McDermott back yeah. as Palpatine again. So. <laughs> yeah. Going for Papa Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> What the hell is an aluminum falcon? You know, <laughs> oh, geez, he's crying. <laughs> he's crying. He smelled like feet wrapped in leathery burnt bacon. So. <laughs> uh. Oh well, well, there you have it, folks. There are some of our favorite moments from these final two episodes of Kenobi. Like we said, there's so much more we could talk about. And as always, mm-hmm. we'd love to hear some of your favorite moments from these two phenomenal ep- episodes. Um, so, you know, feel free to share those with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's been such a a great ride and I'm looking forward to, you know, we're going to have some more to talk about this, this show, uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, but I, I, I might just have to Carl go back and, and watch the show again. Yeah. Yeah. I'd actually loved, I, I'm my attention span is just not good enough. I don't think I could do all six in a row, but I'd love to do just like over two days, do three one day and then three the next. Yeah. Um, we, we did break it up at episode after episode three and went to go get, get lunch. And then we came back oh, nice. and watched the last okay. three. So That's yeah, a great idea, that actually. was, yeah, that was, that was how we did it. So it was like, we, we needed to get up and stretch and, you know, yeah, yeah totally but, fair. Yeah. That's smart. Um, well, just, uh, couple quick things on, on housekeeping for those of you interested. Um, so next week there won't be a regularly scheduled episode. My, uh, my, I actually just became an uncle. I'm very excited. My, my brother and sister-in-law had their first baby. Um, so I'm going to go back and visit them next week for a few days. So we won't have a regularly scheduled episode next week, but on Sunday uh, we'll release one final bonus episode that Jason has from one of the panels he participated in at Phoenix Fan Fusion a couple weeks back. Um, and this mm-hmm. one will be uh, a conversation around um, the animation characters coming into live action. Yeah, yeah, that was a really fun uh, panel. It was it was the only one that wasn't like super topical, uh, like uh, time sensitive wise, because. Uh, you know, obviously we were doing it the same weekend the celebration was, so we were getting a whole bunch of information for other panels. But this one was one that is like it's sort of a, a general topic that we can, you know, spend more time on and obviously revisit in a few years when I'm sure we'll have even more characters make the jump from animation to live action. So uh it was a really good really good topic and we got some really good audience interaction with this one. So awesome. I think that's part of my favorite part of these panels is the questions that we get because it makes me have to think on my feet. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. So that'll, that'll, that'll drop this weekend on Sunday um, for any of you interested in, and in some, so there will be some Wampusler content for you next week, but just not a regularly scheduled episode. Um, but then two weeks out. So two weeks out from now, we're going to finally come together to talk about the Mike Chen brotherhood novel that Jason and I just ate up. Um, so if, if you've read it, um, and are excited for a conversation around it. Be looking forward to that. If you've not read it, but are hoping to, 
um, maybe in the next couple of weeks you can get your hands on it, either Audible or, or a physical copy, and, and consume this incredibly fun story. Um, and it moves very fast, I will say that. It's, it's, it's not a very long story, and it moves fast. Um, so absolutely, yeah. absolutely awesome story. So we're looking forward to talking about that. May have a special guest. We're, we're, we're still, still figuring that out. But either way, Brotherhood in a couple of weeks. Definitely. Um, but I think that's going to wrap this up. Carl, if people want to weigh in on any of our conversation or just share their, their general thoughts on what they enjoyed about Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, where can people reach us? Uh, well, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, you can find us on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Anything else before we close down this episode? Hello there. Goodbye then. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there indeed. And thank you everyone so much for li- listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 474, Kenobi Parts 5 and 6. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. <laughs>